Blog Talk Radio. Oh my gosh, it is so good to be here for Freedom Friday with my wonderful friend who's my co-host here, Dr. Charlie Cartwright. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is your, this is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, and uh, we're co-piloting today. I've got on my, my, my co-pilot hat. <laughs> I'm ready for flight, and uh, Charlie's already in the airplane. We have a a convertible on our airplane, which is awesome, and so uh, we're ready for takeoff, aren't we, for the big blue yonder? That's right. Yeah, we're both craving the big blue yonder. Blue sky. Yeah, blue sky is right. So I should remind everybody that this is the K Factor here on Black Talk Radio, where K equals kindness. And the factors are all the things that lead to it. So every single time you see us here, there's something lovely, loving, and really, really kind that's going to take place. You know, we do our we do our really our very best to bring you everything that's kind, from uh, the, our presence to our dialogue to our environments. Charlie's ever changing environment. I love how you do that. Where's Dr. Charlie today? That's right. I'm figuring it out, too. Yeah. Learn. Yeah. Every week I'm getting a little bit better at it. Yeah, it's awesome. So we are sitting here, both of us, talking about the weather in our communities. We're both in the Midwest, and it it has been a beautiful autumn, hasn't it? Yeah, it's probably the longest and most beautiful one I can remember. That's, 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 I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, it's beautiful because of the trees, the leaves on the trees. And it's, um, it's beautiful because of the weather. It's been, I mean, there's been blistery days, blustery, not blistery, blustery days with the wind whipped up and um, the sun's still shining. And then we've had rainy days and it's been cold. But we get that intermittently with these wonderful 60s and 70 degree days and some up in the 80s. And it's beautiful. Yeah, this is the longest I can remember the the leaves hanging around and yeah. all the colors. There's been years where it was colorful for a week, and then right, we didn't have a windstorm. Right. So it's really been nice to, and, and they're and they're slowly tree by tree, but it's been nice to have an ex, really an extended autumn. I think. I love extended autumns. I like I like for I like for every season to just sort of linger on, you know, and do a do a mellow transition into the next one. Like, please don't take me from summer and forget that there's autumn and take me into winter. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I always have this thing about Christmas Eve snow. I do too. I, I love the snow on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And if I had my way, winter would end abruptly on January 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. No, that's like, it's like a week and a half into it. Right. You what? Perfect. What? Oh my goodness! So for Christmas Eve and Easter Day, let's just get it out of here. Oh my uh, gosh! And you know they can, you know they can have it in the mountains, and so people can still go skiing and all that good stuff. But yes, get it out of here. Okay, now wait a second. I'm feeling like you are on high there in the in the heavens, and you're saying, let give them. They can. I feel like I'm doing a show with God today. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love to see 
see it up there in the mountains, and that's great. I do too. To it, but I yeah. don't want to drive through it or shovel it. You know what? <laughs> I, I agree with you on the shoveling part. I, I never really have loved shoveling. I remember as a, as a very little girl that there was a huge snowstorm in Chicago. <clears throat> it was like the epic snowstorm of 1967 or whatever year it was or whatever. It was sometime in the 60s. And and my, my dad was out of town. And this blizzard hit. And my mom said, come on, we're going to go outside and you and I will shovel the driveway. We had this long driveway. And I'm thinking, she said something like, you know, when daddy comes home, you know, we want him to be able to drive into the garage. And I'm thinking, well, surely there's someone else who can do this job. So she and I went out there. She was delightful. She made it so much fun. So we started at the front, and we're working our way, and we're working our way, and putting all the snow on the sides. And, you know, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't a tremendous amount of snow at the time, but it was so funny. We got to the garage. And we turned around to look at our job, white out. <laughs> it was totally blown over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. So um, the home I had in St. Louis for, you know, close to 30 years was so gorgeous. And I had the best teams working with me. And so my um, other side of the fence, team was two brothers uh peter and uh oh my god no wait a second the napoli brothers (laughs) pete and chris napoli and um they would show up you know in the middle of the night i mean we'd have we'd have we'd be having snow they were so reliable and they're really quiet about it but i would get up in the morning and everything was just pristine and you know it was fabulous it Life is life is a person filled with gratitude, without a doubt. It was wonderful. But I love the snow. I love to drive through it. I love to trudge through it. I love every bit of the snow. There's some great aspects about it, for sure. Yeah. That cool breeze that, you know, that, it, I shouldn't say cool breeze. I should say that wind-cutting wind across <laughs> your face. <clears throat> makes your pe- your cheeks all your cheeks all pink. Yeah, it's yeah, fun. It's a it's a different time of year, so it's good. Do you know what I, Do you know what I think I love about the weather? Is it really goes with our theme of Freedom Fridays? Because if you're out in the in nature, no matter what it is, that that feeling of freedom and openness is just right there with you, isn't it? True. Yeah, it's marvelous. Very true. I love it. So what do you think in terms of our, um, let's bring up the E word. Oh, well, I think that we're not going to know who the president is probably for a week, I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. About a week, which is ridiculous. Um, I think it was the first time in my life that we never know, we didn't know the next day. Correct. Yeah, I remember there being being arguments about it, but you knew. Yeah, and so, and then, you know, this shouldn't I, I guess it shouldn't be surprised with all this rhetoric and accusation and, and things like that, and um, so shouldn't be surprised, but it's going to drag on a week, and it, you know, I hate to say it, but I think that with our, you know, the way our media works and everything. That it's just it's just very curious that 
that because it's something that people are transfixed on, you know, hey, let's drag this out. You know what? Thank you very much for that. That's exactly what I think. I think that the media needs to be overhauled because they they are really messing with all of us. I mean, look at all the people around the country who boarded up their stores, put barriers around their homes in anticipation of, um, you know, violence, whatever. And <clears throat> it really feels very manipulative, manipulated, yes. you know, we're going to do this. And, um, yeah, you know, being heavily manipulated. And ah. I don't, I don't, I don't really like that at all. And <clears throat> for many reasons. And I think for me, I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be anywhere picketing or marching just because I know the specter, right. Right. Of what, what what ultimately ends up happening at these things right you know, best best uh start out with the best intentions and then and then it just takes a few and all of a sudden you know it turns into something very ugly however what i know is that there will be people because of everything that's gone on there'll be innocent people that get caught up into things and get injured and hurt absolutely and, and that's what's that's what's so unfortunate and um so it's just uh you know you see you see the you know some of the worst side of human nature in these in these situations and for me regardless of the outcome you know i have my plan and my mission and the things i'm going to continue to do and uh and that's what i Focus on. I did. I've done my job. I went to the polls. I voted. I voted. A, I voted a week, almost a week early. Yeah, me too. Uh, physically, you know, I didn't mail it in. Because me too. I didn't want to that whole controversy, and uh, so I've done my job. You know, now I need to stay out of the way and let the elected officials and I know the people, and I'm assuming it's the same in every state, but. Um, I was really impressed when I went to vote how organized they were. You know, they got the scan the front of my driver's license and the barcode on the back. Oh, really? So there's no question of who I am. Wow. In the system, okay, boom. You know, here's your, go over there, here's your belt, and someone walked me. You know, there's someone who walked me every step. Every step was monitored. Everything was very organized. I was very impressed. Yeah. And then once I voted, it printed out. Then I took it to another person. Okay, and they didn't hand it. Okay, push, put it in here. Face up or face down, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Then he was watching the screen. Boom, you've been registered. Your vote, your vote's been counted. Thank you. And then I walked out. And it was it was just really a neat process. But there was an extra step in there from four years ago. That last step was an extra step. Four years ago, I was in the booth. And I, I, you know, I hit done or whatever, and that was it. This year, it printed out, and then I went and then put it in another machine that counted it, and then. So. Here's a question. Here's a question that I have: Why in the world is it up to each state to determine what their process for how to vote is? I mean, this is insanity. That that ought to be the national standard across the United States. That's one of the challenges we have with all the different states, that every state's different. And uh, 
with laws and so many different things. And I think that, and I understand some of that um, because there's things within regions, but um, we, I think we need definitely, especially when it comes to something as important as a vote, mm-hmm. to have a standardized process. You know, the same thing is occurring in, in, in every state. And I remember my the last job I had before I went out on my own with my consulting of professional speaking, I, I, I worked in workers' compensation post-injury management. And you had 50 states. Wait a second. Say that again. You worked at what? I worked for an insurance brokerage firm, and the space I was in was workers' compensation post-injury management. Okay. That's so funny because I've done that work too. No no two states were the same. And so really? You have all these experts, and someone might be an expert in Kansas, but they knew nothing about California. Oh, brother. Illinois, right? And so, and then there were some states were tougher than others. Some some states were more employee friendly states. Yeah. When it comes to work comp, other states were more employer friendly. Yeah. Um, but then there was a na- there were national standards, of course. Yeah. And there was federal law, but then within that, there was all these these state laws, and so it made for a very com- complicated system, especially if a company had locations in multiple states. Oh, no. Right. So, and and so, yeah, it was really, there, and there, there are companies, for instance, Cal, let's say California. Yeah. There are companies that left California because of the state laws. Yeah. So uh, restricted. So they, they literally moved their operations out of there. So, yeah, so if you can imagine your company, your multi-state, and you're working within all these different laws. I just it's legal in Kansas, but it's not in Nebraska. It's just <laughs> it's it's complicated. It's not only cool. complicated; right. it's insanity. Right, and then that cost, that raises the cost of doing business, right? Oh gosh. Because you have to staff for that, and that right. gets passed on to the consumer. You see, so I think there's there's definitely some things that could be um, streamlined, but especially the vote um, is 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 so. It's just so important to vote, uh, and that surprises me that it's not. Because uh, I guess I just assumed that it was exactly the same in every state. Yeah. No, it, you know it, it, the the amount of variations that we've got across the board. You know, it's like we're all different countries, and right now, I don't know what country we are, but I am. I am holding vigil. I really am. I'm holding vigil that um, the good Lord is looking at us. We are human beings here trying to live our, our best self and be good citizens of the planet and and good good Christians, good Jews, good whatever we are, you know, good human beings, smart and loving and kind and and so it sounds a little bit I have a really good friend who says to me you know you have more flowery stuff that you say and I say yeah but everybody loves flowers you know so why not and and I I I see so much concern and and I certainly feel concern about the uncertainty the uncertainty factor is so huge but I like what you said. I know what I'm doing. I've got my mission. I'm on task. I'm working it every day. 
that's the healthiest thing that any one of us can do. Right. And, and it's, it's, that is within each one of our control. Yeah. So, but when we really sit around and worry yeah. about things that are beyond our control, it's, it's, it's not beneficial at all. And it just causes a lot of, uh, unfortunate outcomes for us personally with anxiety and, you know, and then that starts to manifest physically and yeah. you know, it makes you more susceptible to illness, which we don't need right now. Oh. And, uh, you know, your cortisol levels are being raised and it's just a lot of things, you know, weight gain. There's so many things that, that stress and anxiety causes. And so when you get busy on the things that you're passionate about and, 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 and get busy on your mission and just the activity dissipates stress and anxiety because you're right. you're busy on your tasks and uh and not worrying about things that you don't have control of and so you know and, and that's that's the best approach because you know, i made a post just uh yesterday i think it was yeah i talked about this 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 being delayed mm. and and of course it's timely because now the election's been delayed but the outcome but if you think about 2020 all the delays mm-hmm. all the delays and if we get trapped in waiting for this to be done and that to be done all of a sudden it's november now yeah. we're getting ready to go into 2021 people have been waiting for the smoke to clear yeah. for you know going on eight nine months now and the smoke hasn't cleared and so but if you've been able to work through the smoke then you know, coming in 2021, you have some things to show for that. You have some momentum. You have some confidence in those things. But if you haven't done that, start now. Yeah. Right. right. It's never too late to start. Never too late to start. And this this reality that we have right now is the reality. So we've got to do the best that we can with, within that. Yeah, it's um it's a new reality that we're living in. And I think, you know, here's the other thing about it. I remember something that happened when I was a kid and my dad said something really awful. And I remember I was in high school. And I remember looking at him and going, This isn't new always thought this. You're just saying it now. Now now I know. And so, so many of these behaviors, they're not new. People have have these thoughts and feelings that are just expressing them or feel like it's, they have the the ability or can get away with it or whatever you want to say. It's not new. I'm not going to suddenly start writing nasty things about people on Facebook or getting in arguments because that's not who I am. It's not what I did. I'm not going to start that. Mm-hmm. But if I started that, then you knew, you would know pretty quickly that's that's who I really am, you know, when when no one's watching, right? Or I think no one's watching. Right. So, um, so it's just been, you know, this reality is that so many things have been revealed to us that were maybe yeah. hidden in the shadow, right. in the shadow, right? And now the lights on them, and we see, oh, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's who you are. Exactly. Yeah. So that's. And so that's kind of been shocking, obviously, mm-hmm. for sure, because I, I definitely thought that as a nation we were further along than we were. 
but uh, but it's but at least we know where we are. So then we've got some we can really make make significant strides when you know where you are and know where we want to go. Now we can we can map to it. But if we don't know where we are, it's kind of hard to map to where we want to go. You know, one of the things that I think about in the midst of all of this is um, it's interesting because with the Missouri Venture Forum that you're familiar with, uh, there's all this conversation now with we're do, we're doing we're doing some very interesting things and and uh, uh, integrating with uh, another organization. The news of this coming out this week and next week. And um, the conversation has been uh, with the wonderful group that I have surrounding me. This is great because we're, you know, we're, we're we're expanding our horizons and we're doing this and that and the other thing. And I said, yeah, isn't it funny? It's like when we started 36 years ago. Because the doors, the, you know, the doors actually been open. There was, there was no closed door here. But people started making these judgments and looking and saying all these things that I walked in and said, well, this is interesting. If all that is true, what, you know, like, how did I end up here? You know, and, and if, and if I'm, if I'm, if I'm at the helm here, what makes you think that all these other people are welcome here? Why don't we just, why don't we just cut it out and just come together and do the work? Because what do we all have in common? Well, in that organization, what we all have in common is we're entrepreneurs or wannabes. We have an idea, we have a passion, and we want to, we want to work it through to fruition. It's not that complicated. It's a pretty simple association. And then there's all these these battlegrounds, right? Of you know competitiveness, and well, my organization does that, and we do it better than you do, and we do it better than, and I just. You know what, Charlie? I have no fight in the game. I'm not there to fight. I'm not there to compete. There's more than enough really good ideas in the world that if they're all developed, the world just becomes a better place. You know? And who cares who comes up with it? Just facilitate. People feel good when they see their dreams come true. It's true. And I think that that's the opposite of the scarcity mentality, which is, oh, I got a, I got a hoard, and yeah, right. I keep you, and, and then you might take from me, and, and, and it creates all this fear and anger, and, and so, which I think is a lot of what's driving behavior around the country in certain places. People are, are fearful. These people are coming to take my job. And yeah, and it's like, well. Hey, let's let's look at this from a rational standpoint. Before the before the the um, COVID hit, you know, we had the lowest unemployment rate, you know, in decades, and there were like I want to say six million, six seven million open jobs that we actually needed people to fill. Yeah, like there are literally more jobs than there are people. People. To fill them, which was has been projected, I want to say when I was at UPS in the mid '80s, and I don't know how they figured this stuff out, but it's the reason why they've been around since 1907. Have they really? UPS has been around since 1907. 1907. I had no idea. 
Yeah. And so I remember my boss talking to me. So we're talking 86, 87. And, yeah. And he was saying that, and I can't remember the, the year, but he was. they were projecting that there would come a time in our country yeah. where there would be more jobs than people. Mm. And so that we had to make sure we, you know, positioned ourselves, take care of our people so that we were strong when that time came that we'd have enough people to deliver all the packages and, and so on and so forth. So now, you know, you could come into 2016, 17, 18, to where we had a deficit of talent. So they're especially like uh, healthcare organizations recruiting nurses from other countries. Oh, yeah. As such a shortage. Yeah. Of nurses, but then we've got people over here, extreme people marching, talking about people coming to take their jobs. I'm like, well, why don't you get some training and go, go be a nurse <laughs> or go, go, go work in IT? Or, you know, there's a ton of Yeah, right. Jobs. That's right. Jobs aren't, jobs aren't uh, making widgets like they're skilled, they're, they're yeah. skilled positions. So why not, when I go get educated, why not do that? But instead, you know, yeah. march. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's all this opportunity, and and there was an economist, and I have the research, and he came out with this in 2012, this prediction, but basically, and it came, because I think he was saying 2025, and it came, it came about five or six years early, I think it came in 2018, he predicted 20, he predicted 2020, and it actually, the shortfall and this is in 2012, and he predicted in 2020 there would be a shortfall, but it came in 2018. But he said because we'd have all these unfilled jobs, that it would actually cause a contraction in our economy. Mm. And, he, and he estimated around a trillion dollars because if, you know, if we can't make the widgets, if we can't, then people that are wanting to buy them, other they're going to go somewhere else and buy those items, those goods, or those services. So because we that have the people to provide them, then people that want those will find someplace else. And so, so he predicted it would cause a contraction. So here we are worried about closing the borders and keeping people out when we actually need more workers in the country to fill the demand because of the exiting of the baby boomers. And so and this is all data-driven, mm-hmm. but people have these extreme ideas, they're really not looking at science and the data what the data shows that immigration is important to keep our economy going to fill these open jobs because if you can't get people here as an organization you're gonna you're gonna get someone overseas right right yeah well here's here's a couple of things that run through my mind number one i don't i don't know I don't know that the theme is as much about immigration stopping as it is about making sure that immigration is part of a process that legalizes everybody who comes in. The sad part is, and this really, this, this really is sad, people in America are not loyalists to America, you know? And, and, I, and I, I, have to, I have to say I'm, I'm guilty of this too. If I'm going to shop price, I am I I am not looking at where it is that that I'm getting that product or that service. I am now. I am now. As a matter of fact, you know, it's really interesting. Speaking of freedom, when you have all this freedom and you have the right to choose, and you have you have this freedom 
because of the internet, you can buy from anywhere around the world anything you want, service, product, anything, Amazon, and then, you know, uh, a lot of platforms, Odesk and Fiverr, you know, and these are platforms that take you overseas. And um, I did some hiring of people overseas, and and they did some some decent work for me. And uh, I had people here in the United States in my own organizations of entrepreneurs look me square in the face and say, thanks a lot. You didn't even give me a chance to bid on that. Well, but I knew that your bid would be higher. Yeah, because our cost of living is higher. And, you know, I had to really I had to really get serious about that and contemplate that. Am I willing Am I willing to support my fellow my fellow human beings here in my country and our economy, or do I believe it's a world economy and I'm going to shop wherever I want? Am I going to support work that comes in from places where we know that slave labor really means slave labor? You know, it's people who it's children a lot of times who are who are producing and working not going to school. Well, I'll tell you what, it makes me not want to be on the internet. <laughs> There's so much to consider because especially if, if what you're doing is you're being a business and you're thinking about what's the budget, you know, what do you really have available to do this, that, or the other thing? And, and I mean, I'm not going to buy from you just because you're my neighbor. It's got to be the right price and it's got to be the right quality, whether it's a, a talent or a service, right? Yeah, it is. It's definitely a complex issue and, you know, it's multi-layered and things like that. Yeah. But I think that, you know, we're in this capitalist society and so it's, it's best goods and services win. That's how, that's the system that's set up. Yeah. So if you have an inferior product, I'm not obligated to buy your inferior product. Right. Because you make, you make it here in the United States. There you go. Service is inferior. We're not obligated to that, so that's so that's a big part of it. So, you know, we've got to, you know, step up our competition game when it when it comes to these things, <clears throat> for sure. And um, I think that, um, you know, we just have to look ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, you know, are we going to compete or are we are we are we not? And if we are, then then this is a you know, it can be fair uh, if we if we free ride to the occasion, if we get the education, if we get the expertise, if we do the things we need to do. And I don't think we should be obviously buying products that are made by child labor and things like that. And right. and, and that's where corporate responsibility comes in, and all these things and laws and all these things that that go beyond my scope of understanding how those things are are. You know, are selectable. We do vote with our dollars, right? Yeah, we do. That's a good. That's a good statement. That's a really good statement. Yeah, we have the opportunity, and so that's that's, and that's that's fair. That's the way to do it. If you stop doing business with a certain organization, they're not going to be able to function if you don't agree with their practices and things like that. But then that's where you've got to do your homework to know where. Don't you ever just get tired of that? I just get tired of having to do all the homework. I mean, can't everybody out here just behave themselves? And then, you know, 
I mean, if everybody stop and think about that, what if everybody did the K factor <laughs> and everybody was, it was out there being, you know, integral. And, and, and at the beginning of the show, you said something about, um, uh, you know, doing, doing what you do when nobody's looking. A friend of mine asked me a number of years ago, as a matter of fact, it's a guy that you kind of remind me of Mason Dukachuk. Good guy, good friend. Uh, Ironman competitions. He's always been trying to talk me into, come on, come on, train with me. We'll do an Ironman. I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a girl. I'm not doing Ironman. You guys scare me. I mean, I maybe would like to do the bike ride. I would love to do the run, but the swimming, if someone would drown me. I mean, they would. They would just swim over me. And you know, after after he really thought about it, he said, actually, you're. You're hundred percent correct. This is not safe for you. Oh my God. I'm a really strong swimmer, but not when people are trying to clobber over me, you know, that just would yeah. tear me apart. But, um, he said, we were talking about integrity and we got in this big discussion with this whole group that we were working with, uh, E for E on experts for entrepreneurs. He, uh, Mason Dukacek, came up with this idea. He invited Bill Pernant to join in, and then they wanted me as the core partner with them and, and as the spokesperson. And so we had a raucous, wonderful time being entrepreneurs, providing expertise for entrepreneurs, and pulling in one another. It was a great community, non-competitive, so we tried. Um, anyway, we got into a discussion about integrity. What, is, what does it mean to really be integral? And, and, you know, we went back and forth on it, but, the, but you nailed it at the beginning of the show and, and, and Mason did too. And, and it, what it is, is it's, you will do what you do out of the core of you and your goodness and your, your, your integrity, whether somebody's looking or not. You know, it's interesting I was just thinking about this the other day because I spent 20 years, you know, in transportation, 10 years at UPS and 10 years at FedEx. And there are some differences between those two com companies. You know, UPS is primarily union, where FedEx, majority of the company, I believe, isn't union. Oh. Um, you know, when it comes to ground, because I know the pilots at UPS, the pilots were union. They were separate from the drivers. They had a different union, but they were all union. Where I know FedEx, the pilots were union. Yeah. And they had drivers that weren't union. And then you took ground and home delivery. They were all independent contractors. <clears throat> but here's the thing that those two companies have in, in common. Okay. Okay. That they have very strict integrity policy. Really? Right. Yeah. It's called zero. They have a zero tolerance policy with any integrity issue. That's zero tolerance. So here's what that means. That doesn't mean that, well, uh, you know, uh, Jen, uh, John Doe, uh, John Doe took a, uh, a box of ink pens, a big ink pens, total value of those pens is $10. Mm -hmm. So John Doe, we're going to suspend you. We're going to write you up. And, uh, that's not how it works. John Doe no longer has a job. He gets caught doing that. So it doesn't matter if John Doe was a driver. It doesn't matter if John Doe was a clerk. It doesn't matter if John Doe was a division manager, you know, over thousands of employees. John Doe's gone. Yeah. Okay. It's zero tolerance. So everybody knew that. 
everybody was held to that standard. And so now you, you flip to our political climate. We got people telling five lies, ten lies in one speech. Yeah. Or half-truths in one speech. Whereas this is a company that if you get caught telling one lie, your job's over. doesn't matter. Okay? There's zero talent. Now, you know that. So, you know, <laughs> you know, at your own peril, if you want to, if you want to play that game. Yeah, right. Right? It's not yeah. going to work. So, so I'm very confused when we have leaders that put out all these misinformation, you know, misleading information. There's half truth and a half truth's a lie. Yeah, that's what, yeah, right. Which half are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's a lie. You left out yeah. Information. You right. Left the whole story is misleading. You're right. misleading And and we we also when it comes to uh, uh, Richard Flint, I love that he says behavior never lies. It's, That's a great quote. It it really is. I mean he. That's a great quote. Well, he is just he's a great man, and and uh, I love working with him and and having a, a friendship with him because I know that I can count on his integrity all the time. I never question his motives, his integrity. Um, you know, I look at, you know, <coughs> being single, <laughs> it's really funny. Because even even in this era of 2020, you can date, but it's just weird, you know? I mean, it's just a completely, in some ways it's kind of nice because people... <laughs> Keep your distance. We don't know each other. But in having conversations with people across the table and and finding out, I've had some funny conversations about, um, I mean, if I'm going to go out with somebody, I'm going to you know, be gauging their energy and all that. But I'm also interviewing because I want to know what your values are. And I'm not just I'm not going to just come out and ask because people will tell you anything that they think you want to hear. Right. So when it comes to loyalty, you know. I, I usually start talking about pets in terms of loyalty. <laughs> but what I'm really what I'm really getting to is what it, you know, how loyal are people because at this age if you're single, you're either widowed or you're divorced or you're out cheating <laughs> or or you're um you've never you've never committed to anything. And and it's so interesting to hear how people walk themselves into these corners about what their lifestyle has been and how, you know, they just, they stepped out of, they stepped out of their commitment, but just about a little bit, you know, just a little bit over here and a little bit over there. And, and, and the part that blows my mind is that people think it's okay. You know, if you, I mean, I'm divorced, but never, because I was doing any cheating I never stepped out of that commitment and into anything other than my, my spouse, my husband. So when you see people um, and learn about their, their history and, and what happens, I mean, 
we're all human beings, you know, so nobody's perfect. But I would like for people to be able to say, I made a mistake. You know, I was messed up about this. Here's, here's how I repented for that, you know, because I don't know anybody who hasn't done some, some things that they're not sorry for. My goodness, I've got a list of things that I'm sorry for, for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, I was a rebellious teenager. I, I apologized to my parents for a decade and they said, stop already. You're a really good daughter. <laughs> you know, you were an adolescent, you know, C- come on. But, but when you have a conscience, you, you really want to, you want to make over, you know, you want to, you want to make right of things. So I think even, even, even in politics, uh, Charlie, I think that if we could have people um, not be so um, staunch that they can't reach out and reach across this, this artificial aisle. I mean, why do we have, why do we have two parties? I mean, I like the idea that, you know, we've got diff- different ideas, but why do we have to think that the other party is the absolute staunch enemy? Because can't we say, okay, well, you know what? You're right on this. And okay, you're right on this. And we can, we can negotiate and meet in the middle. And, and really, do we have, do we have to, do we have to push for an artificial loyalty and belongingness to a party so that if you are seen in a in a conversation or a hug or 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 a relationship with someone on the other side that that means you're an arch enemy and we're going to call for you to get get the heck out of town yeah it's 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 interesting how it's you know it's evolved to that so it's unfortunate and it's up to the american people to to call for that change to demand that change and so far it has not happened so I'm going to go back to what I said originally when we came on the air and we started talking about what is the upside because we're here about, you know, Freedom Fridays and if people get into a lockdown and feel trapped by the culture and trapped by their thoughts, then it just doesn't happen. Excuse me. So let's look at the upside. We're living in the contrast right now of where we really want to be. We, you know, we're in lockdown. We want to be free. People are getting sick. We want everybody to be healthy. We have people arguing about politics. We want to stop the arguing. What has coronavirus taught us? The China virus, the gift from China. What has it taught us? Wash your hands. <laughs> Don't cough on people. <laughs> and keep your distance. And if you have a fever, stay home. If we, if we can take each one of those basics, I think we're going to be fine. What do you think? I do. I mean, there's... Not um, it's not rocket science for sure. So it's right. fundamental practicing good fundamentals for our physical health and our mental health. And there's there's a path there's a path through this. But yeah, to to think that we can to think that we can shut down force of nature. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna stop coronavirus anymore then we're going to stop a thunderstorm from happening yeah right 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 snowstorm from happening. right we just have to we have to deal with the thunderstorm deal with the snowstorm uh and there's things we can do to remain safe in those situations yeah but to, to say we're going to stop it yeah not it's not going to happen 
Well, you know what? I just I had a vision as you were speaking, and and it and it and it goes back to something that is I, I think a core value between you and I, and that is if you don't want to if you don't want to get sick, then don't be a good host. Right. Right. Okay. So all the all the conversation about immune system boosting and people's I've had people say, what does that mean exactly? It means that you keep yourself so healthy that you're not a recipient a passive recipient inviting disease to to come and stick to you. That's why comorbidity is such a huge issue. If you've got one health problem, if you're obese or you're diabetic or, you know, you're, and you could go through a long list, if you've got one thing, you probably have multiple things. Because why? Because you're not, and you opened up the show today talking about self-care. I love it. Self-care, love of self. And learning how to really take care of who we are. Like today, I'm sitting here in my sporty clothes because me and my ponytail and my visor <laughs> work for a while. And then every time I look in the camera, I think, okay, then I'm going to go out for a bike ride. Okay, and then later I'm going to go out for a walk. I'm, I, am, I am dedicated to not sitting here at my desk all day. And you and I were talking about this before we went on the air. What time do you get up? You know, 5 o'clock. What time are you at your desk? 5.15, and then I take a little break, get some coffee, go brush my teeth, I come back at 5.30. Okay, maybe it's 6 o'clock. <laughs> what time do you go to bed? Midnight. What have you been doing all day? Working. You know, and, okay, cut it out, you know. And, and it's so funny. Our alignment is so fascinating to me because you were talking about the ways in which you were actually leaving the evenings alone. Like, I don't, I don't close doors in my homes. I just don't. I like everything really open. But I walk past my office and I say, I know that I know the computer's on. I'm not going in there. No, you cannot. You cannot yank me in there. Stay. You stay. I am not coming to look at you. And I and I just I go. I go out. I'm outside. I, I go take a walk. I go take a drive or I go sit in the living room. I put my feet up on my couch and I lean back on the nice pillows and I drift out the window or I turn on TV to watch, hello, not the news, uh-uh, it's not entertaining. That amps me up, and I won't be able to sleep all night. I'm watching a movie, and by the way, it's got to be something that's not scary. It's not going to freak me out. <laughs> it's not a documentary about World War II. Can't handle it. Make me laugh. I need to have funny, funny, you know, or loving or something sweet. I mean, I had a friend come over to pick me up for dinner last night. And he went and he sat in the in the den. I was trying to finish up a call, and uh, and <laughs> I walked in there and he said, "Oh my God, you you know you're really in trouble." And I said, "Why?" And he goes, "Lifetime, Lifetime movies, <laughs> Hallmark Deb, Hallmark movies." I said, "Yeah, don't tell me I'm I'm in trouble. You're the you're the one who asked me to dinner." <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 a genteel soul. I don't need all the God, please don't amp me up, you know? It's just I want to get amped up about good things. All right, so we've got we've got a couple minutes left. How are we going to close it out? You close it out. So, I think I saw a quote this week and it was really I always love it when I see these quotes that are like really resonate with me. It was from a friend of mine. Mhm. He was talking about kindness, 
Oh. And he said, kindness is love made visible. Ah, there you go. How about that? I love that. I love that. Yay. I mean, how awesome is that quote? Yeah, I like that. T-shirt made with that quote on it, literally. Yeah. Making a T-shirt. Oh, good. And I just think that is really kind of frames up uh, a lot of things, puts a lot of things in perspective is when you think about your fellow man, your fellow citizens. I'm going to write it down. So kindness is love made visible. Made visible. And I think it's so powerful. And that didn't come from Abraham Lincoln or or Lao Tzu or or Confucius or any. That came from a guy in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, that his 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 passion every day is to bring a smile to people's faces. Right. Every day. And that's such a powerful message for me. And so that's something that I'm gonna keep with me for for the rest of my life is just keep that in mind. Wow. That, that kindness. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder that we're here on the K Factor, where we are taking love. We're making kindness visible and audible. So on that note, I'm going to sign us out. God bless you, Charlie. Good to see you this week. I missed you last week. Thank we'll, you. We'll catch up soon. And this is Dr. Deb Carlin here on the K-Factor with Dr. Charlie Cartwright for another Freedom Fridays. And when I said what is, what is is your big head. You got a lot of good stuff going on in there. Use it wisely. Peace out until next time.